Thank you, Lord. You know, Brother Amiro is also on the mend, and uh, we are very thankful for that. And uh, we want to thank all those that have been able to go by and spend time with both Aunt Martha and Amiro. If you were able to go by and spend some time with either one, would you just raise your hand up? We want to just say thank you. Amen. God bless you. We're so thankful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, Brother Amiro is uh, definitely on the mend, just a little weak. And uh, he had major, he loves the church, man. He just loves us, loves y'all, loves the church. And uh, so we just want to say thank you for that. It's great when that's part of the body. That's why I want to be part of a body. It's the, one of the saddest things in the world. And uh, I'm not a big hospital person, but to walk into a hospital and see somebody that is totally alone without anybody that ever, and you can just tell, you can tell the people that have family and you can tell the people that don't. And uh, it's just really, really, it's almost heartbreaking because they just never were part of a body. And that's why it's important for us to be joined to a body. If it's not here, it needs to be somewhere else. Amen. Michelle and I just consider it an honor. You know, if you're just here this Sunday and this is the only time you get to come here and hear us, God bless you. Thank you. This is our job to give you the word and then, you know, where you go tomorrow is up to you or wherever the Lord leads. But if you're here forever, you know, we want to give you the word too, but we're just thankful for the time that you're here. Amen. Amen. One of the most important things right now, and this is not part of my message, this is free time still, okay? I was really good at Easter, so you owe me a few minutes. I was really good at Easter, really good because my wife had an amazing Easter basket for me. Do you know that 60% of parents still send their kids Easter baskets even though they don't live at home? 60%, I mean, come on. I had an Easter basket, hallelujah, it was wonderful. Thank you, Lord. But to be a part of a body, to be connected uh, with one another so that you can call and you can get prayer and you can get agreement and you can get all those things. And so, uh, you know, the number one thing that we as a body are going to have to deal with in these last days are not floods, famines, or earthquakes. It's deception. Deception is the number one thing on the list. And uh, I've never seen a time when I've had more people that are being deceived away from the Word of God where they're no longer being nourished on the message that got them here, got them saved, got them delivered, but are now in search after different things. You know, when things don't work for you, you've got a choice. You know, you either question yourself or you question God. And it's just a lot easier just to question God sometimes. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you go, stay someplace. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor, whether that's me, whether that's somebody else, everybody needs a pastor. And we were not created to live independently of the body. Amen. Amen. When someone says that I'm mature enough to stay home and read the Bible for myself, that proves that you're not mature. There's proof right there. Because if you had really read the Bible, you'd find out that God put people in our lives to help teach us the word, to show us. He gave us five great ministry gifts for us to take advantage of. And uh, we endeavor to bring those gifts in just so that it's not always a pastor. We like to bring in evangelists and prophets and apostles and things just so that you get a well-rounded diet. Saying we need our prophetic voice. Amen. I'm thankful for the prophetic voices in our nation that have been faithful for the, all the years that I've been alive. Amen. A prophet is not a prophet just because he can prophesy. 
And we were not created as a body to be led by prophets. We need to be connected to a local body. Amen. Amen. The prophet is going to speak. um, He's going to speak on a different level. And that's where a lot of great revelation comes from. When people speak from that level, I love it. But we, you know, one of the great things about my mom and dad is they smell like the sheep. (laughs) They smell just like you. You know why? Because they've stayed with you for 30 plus years. They've lived with you, walked with you, held your hand, gone to the hospital. They've done all those things. They didn't minister. They didn't remote pastor West Houston Christian Center. They were here faithfully every Sunday morning and every Tuesday night and all those different things. So we all need to be a part of a body. Amen? Give me a little bit better amen. Amen. What if I brought Cadbury eggs in right now and gave everybody one? Would that help get you going a little bit today? Amen? All of them said yes. You know, last week uh, I gave an altar call as I always do. We had almost 200 people in the sanctuary. We had 50 people in the children's department. Didn't the children's department do a massive, a great job? Did a great job. Robin and Steve, a great job. Our adult choir, didn't y'all do great? I thought it was outstanding day. We had a wonderful, wonderful day. But you know what we did differently last week, which I haven't done before, is we didn't orchestrate the service for guests. We orchestrated it for God. And that made all the difference in the world. It made all the difference in the world. We didn't, we didn't have to come out here and be fake and, you know, try and sell you on something like who we are. And, and all those we did, we tried, everything was clean. And we tried to, you know, here's who we are. We wanted to give you a, a clear, you know, we want you to see you with our makeup off. And all the men said, amen. You know, there's a difference when you're dating, when you see her and she got all the makeup on. Amen. And it's perfect and it's great and it's wonderful. But it's another thing sometimes. And I think people need to see us with our makeup off for who we really are, the body of Christ. Amen? We're a real church. We're a real church. We have real people with real issues. And we need a real God with a real word in order us to fix those things. A big flashy smoke machine, disco-filled environment isn't going to get you healed. It's going to be the Word of God that gets you healed. It's going to be discipleship. And discipleship can sometimes be done in a very quiet place without a whole lot of hoopla about it. Come on, somebody. All you need is your faith. All you need is when you decide to engage with your faith, that's when it's going to change for you. And it all comes down to believing. I want to take a minute this morning and I want to talk about salvation. Is that okay? Because every person in this room last week when I gave a salvation call, not one hand went up. With 200 people in this room, not one hand for salvation or rededication. So that tells me that everybody in this room is saved. Yes? Uh, The biblical salvation. We're saved, right? So I want to talk about this morning, I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk about this great salvation. So the first thing that I need to do is I need to define what that word even means. Amen? We use a lot of catchy phrases like saved and born again and I saw the light and, you know, all those wonderful things. I was lost and now I'm found, I was blind, but now I see. But what we're really saying is, is that we experienced resurrection power which gave me this wonderful thing called salvation. Salvation. And so that word salvation is a Greek word, and it's the Greek word soteria. Amen? Say soteria. Soteria. 
So since we're all saved, when you got saved, this is what you got in your salvation. Are you ready? Are you ready? You got deliverance. You got preservation. You got soundness. You got prosperity. You got happiness. You got rescued. You got health and you got safety. Every single bit of that word entered into your spirit the minute you said yes to Jesus. So my question is, why are we so unhappy? If we got all those things in our salvation packet, why are we worried? Why are we confused? Why are we anxious? Why are we depressed? Why are we dealing with limits when the greater one who lives inside of you, when you got saved, that word soteria, it came into you and into you, you got immediately delivered. You got immediately healed. You got immediately prospered. And even this word that people hate, you got access to happiness. We should be the happiest bunch in the world. We should be the most joyful, happiest, even when things are going bad. Why is that? Because I'm not alone and I have a future. And if we would just remember over and over that I'm not alone and I have a future, no matter what it looks like right now. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to get challenged in those areas. Guess what? We have an enemy. Right? It's not the person next to you, regardless of how you feel right now, whether that's a spouse or a child. We have an enemy. And what that enemy has been able to do through deception is peel every single one of those words off except deliverance. Where all we get when we get saved now is you got delivered from hell. I'm going to heaven. But if I were dare to talk about biblical prosperity or biblical health, I would be branded a heretic, uh, a name it, claim it, brag it, grab it, preacher. God wants to teach you something through sickness. He puts sickness on people to teach them something. It's not in the Bible. God's all about judgment and wrath. He's that one's coming, but he's not here now. God in his vast love for each and every one of us. When he saved you, he gave a piece of himself into you. So help me. What part of God is not working for you right now? What am I missing right now? If when I got saved and he said, Jack, when you got saved, you got delivered, you got preservation, you got soundness. Let's talk about soundness. Do you know that there's not a believer out there that none of us should ever deal with any mental issues in our life? Say this, I will never. No, I want to hear it all. I will never lose my mind. Never. I will not have dementia. I will not have Alzheimer's. I will deal with no psychosis, no neurosis. Am I saying that right? My wife has a psychology degree, so I have to look to her when I go brain. (laughs) Listen to me, folks. Those are not part of yourself. You need to ask yourself, in my basket right now, I am going to Walmart. And if God said, Jack, in your basket, I put deliverance, preservation, soundness, prosperity, happiness, rescued you, health and safety in your basket. 
If you are looking in your basket and you are not seeing those things, you need to ask yourself why. Why are those things not in my basket? Why have, who talked me out of my groceries? Who talked me out of my blessing? One of the hardest things that Michelle and I have to do with people is talk them into their blessing. It's so hard, it's so frustrating that God blessed you, that you're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. That he's given you everything that you would ever need for health and godliness. That you're not alone. That you don't have to walk through this life wondering, who am I? Why am I here? What was I created for? No, the God of heaven took time, sat down, and with you, he created you individually with his own hands. He predestined you for goodness. He gave you I don't know. I just see this giant ranch in Wyoming with a thousand acres and millions of cattle and all these beautiful and all these wonderful things. And he gave it to each and every one of us. He predestines you to have it. It's got your name on it. And all you have to do is ask. He won't force it on you. He can't make you be happy. We have to make a choice to receive what he's already given us. And the devil through deception has peeled all of these things off of salvation. To be a prosperity preacher, you are, you are out of your mind. You are, all you want is the money. No, no, biblical prosperity is me prospering body, soul, and spirit. I want enough to bless you. That's biblical prosperity. Does God care if I have a Corvette? No, I need a much better amen for that. Does God care if you have nice things? He wants you to have nice things. Doesn't every father want his children to be blessed? What father in the world would want his son to sit there? If I've got a billion dollars, but I want to teach my kids, well, son, you, you need to, you know, you got to, here's this little, well, I can't think of a cheap car right now. Here's a pacer from back in the day. Now, we have to be taught responsibility, and that's part of biblical responsibility, and that's part of salvation, is that we have to be discipled in these things. I would never give my newborn child a shotgun. That wouldn't be smart, even though if that shotgun was supposed to be theirs. So we have, this is what church is about. I have to grow. I want you to notice that in the parable of the talents, there were three groups of people. There was one talent, two talents, and five talents. We have to grow in those things, and our responsibility grows, and our influence goes, and our resources grow, and now all of a sudden, now I have what God calls experience, which is more valuable than silver or gold. That's what we come to church for. I am gaining experience. When I am learning how to believe God, everybody knows my faith story. I believe God, I had to believe God for an inspection sticker on a 1982 Chevy Blazer. They had sent me to Bible school with this Blazer. I knew nothing about faith, but that's when they were switching the emissions and the catalytic converters, and you had to go get the thing up the tailpipe, and I'm like, there ain't no way this thing's gonna pass. And I'm a Bible school student making four bucks an hour. Oh God, please God, please, please, please God. Sowed my seed, believed God. Went to the place. They had a big window where you could watch the cars being worked on. The blazer goes in. They start doing the inspection. I had to do this. <laughs> I didn't want to watch. I didn't want to see their faces. 
but it passed. And I was so excited I got that inspection sticker. Yeah, I was so excited. Well, guess what? That gave me the faith because now next time I had to believe for $150 to go to Mexico for a missions trip. Well, if he's the God of the $40 inspection sticker, then certainly he's the God of the $120 go to Mexico trip. I sowed my seed. I believe God. Guess what? Went to Mexico. Well, if he's the God of the inspection sticker and the God of going to Mexico, now I need to go to Israel. Now I got to believe God for $2,000. Well, if he's the God of the $40 and he's the God of the $120, then certainly he's the God for the $2,000. Went to Israel. Now I'm getting married. Now I want an engagement ring. I'm still making four bucks an hour. Still driving the same 1982 Chevy Blazer. Lord, somebody's going to have to die in my family for me to get that kind of money. Oh, Jesus, leave me a will. But you know what? I had faith because the God of the inspection sticker is the God of Mexico, is the God of Israel, is the God of engagement rings. She's got a beautiful ring on her finger. Come look at it someday. It's a faith ring of what God did. Thank you. And the guard. She got exactly what she wanted. And in 75 more easy payments, it's going to be... No, I'm kidding. It was paid for in full. So now I'm married. So now I've got to believe for tuition. Now I'm believing for tens of thousands of dollars. Well, if he's the God of the inspection sticker, I mean, somebody's going to get excited about what I'm talking about this morning. If he's the God of the inspection sticker, and now he's the God of Mexico, and he's the God of Israel, and now he's the God of engagement, he's the God of tuition. Praise God. And guess what? We went to two years of Bible school debt-free. Still made four bucks an hour. Still had the 1982 Chevy Blazer. And we paid someone else's tuition. Amen. That was our seed. We paid for somebody else's tuition. That was our seed. There's always a seed involved, folks. We need to be better at sowing seed. If you're wondering why you don't have a harvest, you have to ask yourself, what seed are you sowing? Amen. It's easy to say, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But you got to give him something to work with. Seed time and harvest, that's a big part of it. Well, guess what? Fast forward 20 years, I got two kids that want to go to college. It's $150,000 a piece. Oral Roberts University. Guess what? Both kids, both kids in college. Paid in full. No debt. In Jesus' name. Amen? So... If God is the God of the $10 and he's the God of the $100 and he's the God of the $1,000 and he's the God of the $10,000, he's the God of the $100,000, guess what's coming next? Half a million dollars. We need to be believing for something for our church. We need to start believing for a new building to go alongside this one for our youth and for recreation and for all those types of things. We got all this land around us. It's time to start believing God for a new building. I got faith for it. Because I've seen him do it. Have you even started your faith walk yet? What's the last thing you believe God for? What's the last thing that you used your faith and you believe God for? Because until you get that faith project done, it's not going to double. Got really quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. We all need to be using our faith and believing God for something. Now, in you, in your salvation package, you got what Michelle talked about, the measure of faith. 
you got the measure of faith. So guess what? Whatever you measure out, it will be measured back to you. It's a container. So each and every one of us has access to this types of faith. Now listen to me. I know I talked about material things there, but let me back up and let's talk about healing. Because the God that healed me of the paper cut is the God that healed me of the headache, is the God that healed me of a kidney disease, is the God who's delivered my, he's the same God that heals. These are not separate issues. It's all the same faith. Do you understand? Do you see how we take things off and we deal with them now individually instead as a whole? It's the same faith. It's the same salvation. It's the same God. When, when Moses led Israel out of, out of uh, Egypt, it says in Psalms that there was not a feeble one among them. That means there wasn't one sick person out of all the millions of people, not one sick person. And they had all the silver and all the gold. And guess what? They were free. That is a picture of what Jesus did for you and I. Jesus set us free. We were in Egypt. We were slaves. We were captives. But when he let us out, he let us out completely healed and completely delivered and completely prospered. And now we have to get back up and take what's ours. By faith, you got to believe God. Take off the limits. Believe God. Believe God for a soul right now. Can I beg you? Believe God for at least one soul. That's the most important thing in the world right now, our souls. Jesus is coming back. I don't want a single person left here. Believe God. If you're, if you're too, if, if believing God for finances is too much of a thing for you, great. Write down all the people in your life who are not saved. And you use your faith and you believe God for their souls. Because it's got the greatest verse attached with it. It's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's your license. There's your license. How do I pray? Matthew 9, 38. Pray the Lord of the harvest to release laborers into his harvest. Guess what? If I'm that harvester, Lord, release me. Now you've got the grace to do it. And then you pray 2 Corinthians. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day. Now you got faith to do it. So I just armed you with three scriptures for salvation that you could pray for somebody every day. I have not gotten to my sermon yet, but it's going to be so good. So good. We need to be using our faith, guys. So why don't we use our faith? Maybe it goes back to this one big word called righteousness. I don't feel like I'm saved. I don't feel like I'm worthy. Remember last week we talked about the prodigal son and we're so glad that the prodigal son didn't run into the older brother before he did the father. Because the older brother would have kept him trapped in his sin for the rest of his life. He would have said, you're right, you are a sinner, you are no good, and guess what? I remember every sin that you've done and I will never let you forget it. You are never going to walk in faith with that type of an attitude. If you constantly remember all the sin that you've ever done in your life, you're never going to walk out of it. You've got to change the way that you think. Listen to me. Have we, has anybody in the room done something that if you could get in a time machine and go back and fix, you would fix it? Just two of us. I like my brother in the back. Two hands. All of us do. But guess what? No matter what that thing is in your life, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you, 
you're forgiven. And the only people that are bringing it up are you and the older brother. Religion. He's the only one that's bringing it up right now, trying to remind you of what you did and how you did it. If God gave you a million dollars right now, and you had a great business plan, and you went out and you did that business plan, and you did it to the best of your ability, but it went bankrupt and it didn't work, he'd still give you another million dollars if you asked. And people struggle with that thinking. He struggles with that thinking. The person that God gets mad at with is the person with one talent who doesn't do anything with that talent, goes and buries it, and then tries to talk about how God is. That's the one that gets God angry. Is you didn't even try. Go try. Come on, folks. Let's try. Let's do something with our faith. Let's dare to believe God. Let's get back out there on that road. Let's go do something for God. Let's do it together. Let's have faith projects together. Let's believe God for our city. Let's believe God for the West Chase District that's around us. Amen. Use your faith. Believe God for Michelle and I, for pastors, for Robin and Steve. Are you praying for your pastors? Please pray for us. We're dealing with more stuff now than we've ever dealt with before in our lives. A stuff I cannot believe. People doing stuff that even sinners wouldn't do. Don't start looking around to see who's getting. We need your prayers. I need your faith. I need you to believe God with me. Now. Jesus, he went to Zacchaeus' house. Luke 19, 9. Now we're starting. Luke 19, 9. And everybody, we talked about this last week. Jesus is going through the town. Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. And anybody watch The Chosen at all? You notice that tax collectors back in that day were not the most popular guys in town at that time. If you were a tax collector, you were working with the Romans and you were taking money from Jews. You were a Jew taking money from Jews for the Roman Empire. You were lower than low. They would rather have a leper in their house than a tax collector. That's how low this guy was. So Zacchaeus, he hears that Jesus is coming. He wants to see him. So what's the old song? So he climbed up in a sycamore tree. Does anybody remember that song? We're not going to sing it. And Jesus looks up and he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down hurriedly, for today I must come into your house. And Zacchaeus, I love when he does this. Zacchaeus Hurried, he came down, and he stayed with him. So he hurried and came down, and he received him and welcomed him joyfully. And Jesus made that statement in Luke 19, 9. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. Now, Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was from the, he was a, a I don't know exactly which tribe he was from, but he was under the law. Now, was he breaking the law at that time? Absolutely. Because the book of Leviticus and Numbers had very, very specific things when it came to money. Borrowing money, usury, all those types of things. And he was probably increasing his own pockets by being a tax collector. But he was under the covenant because he was a son of Abraham. 
But Jesus makes this statement. He said, today salvation has come to your house. He was born a Jew, but when he believed on Jesus, he became a true son of Abraham. When you believe. Pastor Jack, when are things going to change for me? When you believe. But my parents go to church. I go to church. Zacchaeus went to church. But the Bible said he wasn't saved. When is it really going to change for you? When are we going to be like the prodigal son out in that field eating with the hogs where we finally say, Lord, I got to change the way that I think. I got to come to myself. I cannot make you come to yourself. I cannot make you hit bottom. I cannot make you. And men, we are so good at deceiving ourselves. I got this. I can handle this. I can do this. It doesn't control me. Only a man would say that (laughs) there are areas of our life that we can't discipline because we're not the master of them. The master does the disciplining. And whatever is seated in your heart above God, that's the master. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Who's the master? That's who you believe. Every one of us right now here are believing something. Everybody walked in this room this morning believing something. But what do you believe? And who are you listening to? God's will for you is salvation. Soteria. He wants you prosperous. He wants you delivered. He wants you sound. He wants you blessed. He wants you happy. He wants you healthy. And all we have to do is get into the God's word for ourselves, get into a good church that preaches the word, not their opinions. That's important. Amen. Don't just go towards people that tell you things that you want to hear. Those are called itchy ears. Amen. A lot of people have a hard time with the truth. We've done the Conquer series multiple times here at the church. And it's for men that are overcoming and need help when it comes to online addictions. And the classes always start out so big. But by the end, there's only like one or two left. Why is that? Too much truth. Couldn't handle it. They weren't ready to deal with what is the root of what's wrong with me. And how can I get it fixed? When we shine the mirror, it's so easy to talk about other people, but do in the mirror and talk about it the same way and see what happens. You would never talk to yourself the way that we talk about other people. We have to, please, we need light in our lives. I I just feel like God's just imploring me this morning to beg you, walk in the light. Live in the light. Live a life that's equal to the calling of what Jesus has put into you. Live a life equal to that word salvation. Amen? I can't live one life today and then another one tomorrow. I'm a phony. I'm a non-believer. The Lord had me write down the parable, and I'll end with this, about... um, Let's jump ahead all the way to the last page. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. 
And I love the parable of the sower. I could teach on it over and over and over again. But there's a second parable in Matthew 13. And beginning in verse 30, uh, 24. And it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seeds in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Go to your... (laughs) We'll talk after church, young man. Somebody take his tablet away from him during church. I'm telling you folks, time changes. It switches hard. And when all of a sudden you're the one doing that, oh, Jesus. Good stuff. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed into your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. Least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat that's with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Everybody knows what wheat is? It's edible grain. Amen? Everybody know what, knows what a tear is? A tear is a darnel. It's a plant that grows in Palestine, which resembles wheat in many ways, but is worthless. Figuratively, that means a pseudo-believer, false Christian, a fruitless person living without faith from God who is all show and no go. I would dare to say that Easter, that church is filled with tares along with the wheat. 80% of Christians go to church on Easter. 120 million went this last Sunday. But it's for show. This is a real thing that we're dealing with, folks. Eternity is a real thing. And what I'm doing today is I'm offering you the greatest life you could ever imagine. I'm offering you eternity, Zoe, the God kind of life. If you're willing to be discipled, disciplined, corrected, and instructed, all things that I just really enjoyed a lot growing up. You're going to be, listen to me, you're going to be tried in all this. Who hasn't been tried in this? Who has not been tried in all this? But who can, you're tried in everything. Why when it comes to church do we just quit? We're tried with, yeah, people that you work with right now that are trying you. But that paycheck means something. So you don't quit. Church is different. Once I'm getting tried, I better go to another church. If some of us would just stay and let God finish the good work that he's begun in you. 
and let him finish. See, the problem is, and I'm going to finish with this, the faith message only works in people that are whole. If you're not whole, if you have not dealt with the issues of your soul, if you have not allowed the word of God to discipline you, to correct you, to train you, and to teach you, the faith message will not work for you because there's too many holes in your bucket. There's nothing there for that blessing to stay in. It took me three and a half years to get free from drugs, alcohol, pornography, fornication, robbing, stealing, lying, cheating, all those things. Three and a half years. I did it right here in this church. This was my emergency room. This was my deliverance. And hands weren't laid on me. There was no electric shock therapy. There were no injections. I came to church hungry every Sunday and every Tuesday night. And if they ever asked for help for anything, I was the first one to say, I'll do it. Sound booth, usher, greeter, childcare worker, parking lot attendant, sweeper, mower, laugher, crier, whatever needed. And guess what? In the midst of my discipleship, I got whole. And I dare say there's a lot in this room that you've never let God finish the wholeness part of you. You're trying to build a house without a foundation. And every time you try, it keeps falling down and falling down and falling down. And you're blaming God. And God is saying, if you'll just fix the foundation. Let the, quick, let the, let the cement dry. Then build your house. But we want to hurry up. We want to hurry up. Let God have his perfect way with you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. I always think of a better way that I could do this. But if you don't know what soteria is, if you've never experienced any of those things that I just said, if you've never experienced deliverance and soundness and wholeness and peace and happiness and prosperity and deliverance and all those things, then I would ask, what did you receive when you asked Jesus into your heart? Because we're not here to receive a religion. This isn't turning you into doing a bunch of works for God. God doesn't need you to work for him. He created you for the seventh day. He did all the work the first six days, created you for the seventh day, for his rest. Go back to read the first three chapters of Genesis and find out what was God's original intent for you and I. Because it's far different than what we're living right now. There's nowhere in there where God put sickness on Adam and Eve to teach him anything. There was gold laying on top of the... There were, there were 89,000 bananas in that garden. And there were only two people. Oh, that's so wasteful, Pastor. No, it's not. God is lavish. He's exceedingly abundantly above all you could possibly ask or think. And I'm here to tell you today that God is good. He's a good God. And all you have to do today to start this journey is receive that soteria, that salvation into your life. Let resurrection power come alive in you today. Let that spirit jump alive and then get in here with us and start that journey of Romans chapter 12, verse two says, the renewing of the mind. Be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good. Your spirit's about to come instantly alive, but we got to change the way that we think. Take the limits off. Believe God again. Don't let anybody go. There are no lost causes in Christ. There's no lost causes. I don't care how deep, how far they've been. God is big enough to get where they are. Just stand in the gap. He's looking for somebody that will stand in the gap for somebody else. So if you've never received Jesus Christ and his soteria into your life, then just pray this prayer with me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, I want to know you. I really want to know you. I want to know the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus, I invite you into my life, into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Deliver me from all sickness. Heal all my diseases. Heal all my addictions. Give me a hunger for your word. A hunger for you. Oh, wow. He's never had me say this before. This is big. Jesus, help me forgive those that have hurt me. And help those that I've hurt forgive me. Poof. Poof. You feel that come into the room right there? I'm not a touchy-feely person. I'm just not. But something tangible dropped when I said that. Whoever that is right now in your life, you need to forgive them. Forgive them. Lord, I thank you, God, for the power of God right now. You can only way you can do <laughs> Jesus said you had to forgive 70 times 7. That's what the disciples said. Lord, increase our faith. It's going to take faith to forgive some of these people. Even if that person is dead and gone, it's still going to take faith to forgive them. Release them. We release them, Lord. And I receive you, Christ the anointed one and his anointing is my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen? Wow. What a great morning. Amen? We now have member services, which is this little desk right here in the back. If you would uh, filled out one of the cards this morning, if you're a guest with us, then we invite you to stop there. We just want to shake your hand and just say thank you for coming. If you are looking for a church, then I invite you to encourage you to come back a couple of times to get a real feel of what God is doing here. If this is the only time we're ever going to see you, then we love you. We're so glad you came today. Jesus is Lord. You're dismissed.